You're listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. So one of the shows that I've been catching up on lately uh, has been uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Um, yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Yeah, it's a really difficult show. So I, to, I don't blame you if it's, if it's not one of the ones in your uh, streaming queue. Um, but regardless of whether or not you follow the show, you're probably at least famili- familiar with the bright red uh, handmaid's costume. Um, the red cloak and that big white bonnet. Uh, they're referred to in the show as modesty dress. Uh, but they've, they've ironically become... Uh, one of the ultimate symbols of women's and reproductive rights in America. And ironically, because in, in Gilead, the, the fictional Christian dictatorship that the protagonist Offred lives within, the, the dress and the bonnet, they're, they're meant to be a sign of female subservience and female erasure. The, the large, the wings on the, on the big bonnet, it's called a wig, uh, uh, their intention in this, in this fictional universe is to, to shield the handmaid's eyes from passersby, to keep, her, to keep her looking down so that she's literally bent over by the weight of her oppression. So she's bent over looking at the ground in shame. Uh, this week as I watched the most recent episode, I... I thought a lot about this, about what, about what happens when, for whatever reason, we live our lives turned with our eyes turned towards the ground. When we live our lives bent over or unable or unwilling to make eye contact with the rest of the world. I mean, queer kids, fat kids, kid, kids with disabilities, black kids, or Anyone who has ever been made to feel less than in school or on the playground or even still today as adults in the boardroom, we know what it's like to live our lives bent over with our eyes scanning the ground. It's as if the faces of those around us weren't, weren't actually made for us. It's as if we've been given our own invisible bonnet of shame, one that feels so heavy we don't even know how to take it off or, or that it can be taken off. I know what this is like. Uh, I know what it's like to be so weighed down by shame for being gay and then later for being a drug addict that I was, I was literally bent over by it, always looking down at the ground, always avoiding eye contact. I mean, even today, even today, after, after years of the gospel piercing my soul, after years of hearing the gospel that I have no reason to be ashamed for anything, no reason to be ashamed for the way that God made me, it's still easier sometimes, even now, to spend my life looking down at the ground, bent over, bent over in the way that only shame can accomplish, 
It's like being terrorized from within. Which, which I imagine is the way that the woman from today's gospel, the woman bent over for 18 years, must have felt. Because while the gospel, it doesn't tell us exactly what kind of ailment the woman had, it does tell us what its effects were. It says, as the beautiful reading that Leslie did today, it says she had a spirit which crippled her, and that for almost two decades she had been unable to stand up straight. But, but in fact, the word that the original Greek uses that gets translated unable to stand up straight, the word is anakipto, it actually means that she was unable to look up. That she was forever forced to look down. That for whatever reason, whether it was physical or emotional, she like... So many of us do. She looked down towards the ground. She never had the opportunity to behold the image of God in those around her or, or to experience that, that holy moment when others look into our eyes and they see the image of God in us. This week, in fact, in, in Bible study, we talked about the importance of, of eye contact, uh, during Bible study, I learned from someone else that there's a study was recently done that, that looked at the lack of eye contact in our society right now, uh, the, the lack of eye contact due to how much time we, we spend staring at screens instead of at people. And it correlated that lack of eye contact with the epidemics of depression and suicide in our nation, the ones that are weighing heavily on all of us, but most of all on teenagers, on young people. Because when we look less and less into the eyes of other children of God or, or take in less of God's creation around us, our, our world shrinks down. It, it shrinks down and eventually it gets to be only the, the size of our own mind and and then when that happens, our problems, I mean, they just can't help but feel disproportionately large. Soon enough, all we know is ourself and our thoughts. And that can be a really scary place to be. But this, this problem, it's not new. We can't simply blame iPhones. After all, shame was... Shame was weighing down the, the bent-over woman 2,000 years ago, just like shame had to have weighed down Peter, just like it had to have weighed down Judas and Mary Magdalene, because, because shame crept into the human heart from the very beginning. I mean, from the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve kind of, be, of beginning, because as soon as Adam and Eve, as soon as they eat from the tree, they run and hide. They are ashamed for the first time by their nakedness. And so they, they sew together fig leaves and they run and they hide. But then God finds them because, I mean, who were they kidding? Hide and go seek with God is always a, a really short game. <laughs> it's a really boring game. <laughs> But once God finds them, God, uh, God pronounces a curse on them. And I don't know, I, talking about God cursing all of humanity, uh, it's that thing that we call the fall. Uh, it's not like the coolest thing to talk about. 
especially for those of us who like to think of ourselves as enlightened, uh, liberal folks. Like, like, sure, Adam and Eve, they, 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 they did the one thing they were asked not to do. But did that warrant an actual curse? Like, I don't know, I was thinking about early to, earlier today, and that's, that's just kind of deep, right? They did this one thing, and they got cursed, but, like, why not just a, why not just a time out? <laughs> but then I took another look at the actual language of the curse God that is used in Genesis, and, and the thing that struck me this time was how much of the language in it is about the ground, God curses the serpent to crawl on its belly across the earth. The woman is cursed to give birth to a child whose, whose heel will strike the serpent on the ground. And the man is cursed to till the soil that will yield thorns. And then, and then God says, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. The curse, it's, it's all about the ground. It's all about looking down there. Which makes me think that perhaps the curse wasn't this prescriptive punishment from God, but a, a description of what shame does to us. That God is drawing our attention to the reality that when, that when shame works its way into our hearts, it will weigh us down to the point where all we can do is look down at the ground. All we can be is trapped by the ever-shrinking ground, the world that only exists beneath our feet. Which I'm convinced that this is actually what sin is in the first place. Sin is the, the web of shame that we don't know how to free ourselves from and that we then inflict upon others. That our curse our fallenness as humanity, it's not from some obedience to some arbitrary list of commands that we must follow or else, but that we are literally fallen, that our gaze has fallen, that our gaze, our vision has fallen from what God intended, which is to be fixed upwards and around and on God's creation and on the children of God around us. And that our, our vision has fallen to the ground. This, this is the bad news. But the good news is that the good news begins just after this curse is spoken. In Genesis chapter 16, we meet Hagar, who we don't get to hear much about. But Hagar is also a handmaid. A different kind of handmaid. Uh, Hagar is the handmaid of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And Sarah has been unable to conceive a child with Abraham. And so, and so Sarah gives Hagar to Abraham as a surrogate. But when Hagar actually gets pregnant, Sarah isn't happy. And so she goes after Hagar and Hagar runs away in shame. <clears throat> But while she's running, God pursues her and stops her in her tracks and says, Hagar, where are you running? And then Hagar looks up from the ground. 
She looks up from the ground and she becomes the first person in all of scripture to actually look God face to face. And then she names God. She calls God El Roy, meaning the seeing God. And then she says, is it really true that I have looked God in the eyes, in the face, and lived? She can't believe it. This story of Hagar, it's, it's quickly becoming one of my favorite new parts of scripture because the way I see it, it's, it's as if the curse of the shame that began in the Garden of Eden, the curse where our vision falls to the ground, it's as if this tendency to live our life looking down, weighed down towards the ground, it's, it's as if this begins to be reversed right here with Hagar. And that the God who sees us sees us as far back as Hagar. That we are with the God who stops us in our tracks and raises our eyes upwards so that we do not have to be ashamed any longer. I had an experience these past couple weeks, um, my own experience of living my eyes towards the ground and then being rescued from that and being seen by God. Uh, Brian and I just moved into a, a, it's not a new house, but <laughs> it's new to us. <laughs> it's very old. It needs a lot of work. And uh, um, we moved into this uh, neighborhood with a lot of kids, and we don't have kids of our own. And so these five boys have been coming over and hanging out at our house and like literally like running into our house like without knocking the door and stuff like that. Several of you have heard the story and you're like horrified by it. Uh, we're getting used to it, yeah. Um, but they've been super curious about who we are. Like who are these white gay guys who have moved into this largely Latino neighborhood? They're like so curious by us. And finally this one boy said to Brian while I was at church two weeks ago, he said, um, <clears throat> so you only have one bed. <laughs> who, sleep, who sleeps in the bed and who sleeps on the floor? <laughs> and he goes, you're not gay, are you? And Brian said, yeah, we are. And the little boy ran out of the house. And I came home and Brian was devastated by this. And I was mad. I was so mad at that little boy. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but the thing that I noticed was that every time I went out of the house after that for the next two weeks, I, I would immediately look down at the ground. Yeah. Uh, I was ashamed. I was ashamed of who I am. I was ashamed of, you know, all the questions about gentrification, about who I am and my body living in that house. I was, I was ashamed, you know. Until this week, I read this week's gospel about Jesus the Christ who raises up the bent woman who's been looking down at the ground for 18 years. And Brian and I were sitting outside having dinner and the little boys were on the trampoline next door and they were strategically, they had their vision like just... Uh, kind of cattywampus past the house so they didn't have to look at us. And I was doing my thing that I've been doing for the last two weeks where I looked down at the ground. And I just heard this voice that said, this is not what you were freed for. 
this is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I looked up and said, hello. And as soon as I said hello, they ran over and it was all good, you know. Now, I will be honest that they came over and they, the, the little boy who freaked out said, you need to get a second bed. And we had just gotten a guest bed that day. <laughs> so we told him, we do have a second bed. Neither of us are going to sleep in it. And he just said, okay. <laughs> but this week I, I learned to, to look up. Jesus raised my vision up from the ground, which is what he is here in this space to do for all of us, because we all belong to the God who sees us, the God who we can look into God's eyes and we will live. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org, and click on Give.